Comedy LOL Podcast Network. Mine's recording too. Yes, hopefully it does sound way better, and I think it surely just might. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Terrible Podcast. I'll read a quote for today. It's a long one. There we go. It is said that truthfulness alone constitutes the spiritual discipline of the Kali Yuga. If a man clings tenaciously to truth, he ultimately realizes God. Without this regard for truth, one gradually loses everything. If by chance I say that I will go to the pine grove, I must go there, even if there is no further need of it, lest I lose my attachment to truth. After my vision of the Divine Mother, I pray to her, taking a flower in my hands. Mother, here is thy knowledge, and here is thy ignorance. Take them both, and give me only pure love. Here is thy holiness, and here is thy unholiness. Take them both, Mother, and give me pure love. Here is thy good, and here is thy evil. Take them both, Mother, and give me pure love. Here is thy righteousness, and here is thy unrighteousness. Take them both, Mother, and give me pure love. I mentioned all these, but I could not say, Mother, here is thy truth, and here is thy falsehood. Take them both. I gave up everything at her feet, but I could not bring myself to give up the truth. And that is by Swami Vivekananda. Vivekananda. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to dissect here and to go into. Um, I think if we want to start off just at the very beginning, the kind of um, attachment to the truth and the love of the truth and the adherence to kind of always looking for the truth. I think that sometimes people say that they want the truth, but what they really want to hear is just what they want to hear because the truth isn't always pleasant. Um, and I love when he said that if he wanted to go somewhere, even if he didn't need to go there, but he said he was going to, he still has to because that is his truth. He had said he was going to do it. So he needed to follow through. And I think sometimes there's a detachment from that. Um, if we want to go into the second part, I'm going to just divide the quote up into two. If you want to go into the second part, um, talking about the flower and the mother. And what I love is there's there's a nice balance, right? It's almost like, you know, when you're a kid in um, kindergarten, first grade, and you're learning about opposites, and they're naming all these opposites. But what I love is how at the end it says, I could not bring myself to give up truth, because I think that all of those things are truth. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, I, I love how in the beginning he says... It is said that truthfulness alone constitutes the spiritual discipline of the Kali Yuga because what the Kali Yuga is, it's in several different cultures. They talk about it. It's the dark age Mm -hmm. and it's said to be the age that we're in right now. And if he's saying that spiritual discipline constitutes, I'm sorry, the truthfulness alone constitutes the spiritual discipline. I think that's great because. To me, a lot of people have their eyes shut and they're they're not looking at the truth. That's kind of why we're in the dark age, because they're ignoring the truth. So, you know, I mean, that's that's perfect. But to jump in, I think that there's also so many things that people perceive as truth. There's so much chatter, mindless chatter of people saying, no, this is right and this is right and this is and it's it can be overwhelming. And for somebody who's maybe a little bit I don't want to use the word ignorant, but maybe a little bit less 
woke, less informed, it might seem like all of these things could actually be true. Yeah, that's that's right. But if you and what you have to do really is employ your logic. You have to really look at it and dissect it. And I think that's kind of what they're talking about. You know, he's saying that truthfulness alone. So if you want to if you want to have a, a good spiritual discipline or correct one in this Kali Yuga, then you have to stick with the truth. You have to use it as your guiding light. Because if you're in an age of darkness, what's going to be the light? And that's going to be the truth. And I also think that's why the truth is so dangerous, because so many people, their eyes are used to this darkness, to use a metaphor. You know, they're, they're like been in this cave or whatever, hiding way far away under the earth from the truth. And so it's like you're you're taking their sun. It's like the, it, it's exactly this reminds me of the um, also the allegory of the cave, because talk about uh how if you go outside and you know you see the light and you come back and you try to describe it to people they're just gonna like you know ridicule you so it really reminds me of that but it's like the whole world is in this cave you know but how do you get out of it the truth you have to follow the truth that's what it is and i think same thing with the allegory of the cave where people are if you're not familiar with the allegory of the cave i'll just put a clip a, a link to the in the bottom uh of this episode to a video that i know it's really cool so just check that out and so you see the people that are in the cave and they're looking at the shadows that are cast by the fire behind them that's like the lies that they're following that's what's keeping them chained but the real light is what you have to follow to get out so you have to maybe close your eyes for a while you know and uh, trust your instincts I totally agree. Um, I think in what there needs to be a realization of not everyone is going to be able to understand or or get what you're trying to say or follow that truth or get out of said cave. Um, and that's OK. Yeah, everybody has their own, uh, I guess, path that they have to take. So, yeah, you're. I mean, that is OK. That's where judgment comes in is really hard because I think people get stuck a lot in judgment because they see other people and they're like, they, it's so I think for me, this, I'll just use an example of myself because this way I won't be judging judges. Something I was thinking about <laughs> recently is that, you know, I'm on this path and I'm realizing all these, uh, psychological, just different, all these, just different, just different knowledge, I guess, about the way humans interact and about psychology. And I could see it in other people's lives very clearly where maybe either there's like mistakes being made or there's patterns that I see that maybe they're not familiar with. And I, it's like everywhere I see it and I want to tell people, but then I'm like, wait a minute, I have these patterns and problems in my life. Also, I have to look at them and fix them first because what kind of asshole would I be, you know? So it's, it's just about remembering that really and coming back. That's where I think when it comes to judgment. um, And then also on the side of that, you want to, you fixed yourself, but I feel like you following the path of the truth. You have to, again, with the idea of judgment in mind, be okay with not everyone's going to follow you. Not everyone's going to buy in. Not everyone's going to listen. And I think sometimes that's where my judgment comes in, where it's like, no, you don't know. Just listen to me. And it gets very frustrating when people don't do that. And it's like, you don't get it like I know more than you which sounds so incredibly condescending but um I think that sometimes there's that that case that comes in as well yeah nobody ever nobody ever wants to be no I I think it has a lot to do with ego and so a lot of times people um 
they feel like if they're wrong, then they're less of a person. Whereas if you're wrong, but I think if you're wrong and then you realize you're wrong and you change your behavior, that's really the true mark of a, of a great person, you know, but people, it's tough if you have a low self-esteem and your ego's covering up for it. I know. I mean, I've been there and then you just want to kind of argue and you want to, um, you'd rather defend your, your argument, your side, because you feel like if you lose, then you're just worthless basically. Or maybe your your thoughts and your opinions are ingrained from an early age, like your childhood, and to go against those is almost like turning your back on your family or the way you were brought up. And I think sometimes, again, going back to that ego, it's like, well, then I'm discounting the entire place I came from, where it's like what you don't understand is no one has all the answers. And to be able to look at where you came from, the situation that you were raised in, or your own thoughts and opinions based on your education and your family and things like that. To say like, hey, you know what? Maybe they didn't have all the answers and maybe I can switch my thoughts and feelings. I think that really is the mark of a, a very strong, well-informed person. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I say you have to know yourself first because if you truly know yourself or even if you're on that path, things like this aren't gonna bother you. You're gonna be able to admit when you're wrong much more easily. And I know that just from personal experience. And let me tell you, man, it's so much easier to just admit you're wrong. Everyone around you, like mostly they're surprised and shocked. Like, wait a minute, did somebody just say they were wrong? You know? And I think they, a lot of people respect you for it. Okay. I think we can move on here. My co-host up over here is very excited. I don't know if you heard, she was just making a whole bunch of noise. Um, (laughs) We are today talking about the Queen of Swords. So we'll look at two different interpretations of that card, the Queen of Swords. And then we're going to talk about the number five, which I always loved as a kid in like first grade. I don't know if you did this, but I remember I did this. Shout out to Mrs. Simone. Um, We would always do there was like a a number chart on the wall. And every day she'd pick a number we were going to count by. And it was like, I always thought it was so easy to count by fives. It was one of my favorite numbers to, to count by and still is. Uh, I don't know how frequently I'm doing that. Uh, it's also <laughs> one of my favorite numbers, period. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of dive into that. But let's start off at the very beginning like we normally do. We're going to look at the Queen of Swords. I'll give a description of the card and then we'll kind of talk about our initial thoughts and then dive into the different symbols or images we see in there. Okay, so Queen of Swords. Um, We have a light blue background and you have a um, whole bunch of white puffy clouds coming up off the horizon, which is at the bottom of the card. They go up about halfway through um, the card. And in the front of the card, you have a, it looks like gray stone throne. And on the throne, you have this figure I'm going to assume she's a woman wearing like a white tunic. She's got a a cloak on that has like, it looks like white clouds and a blue sky in her left or her left hand is raised up, um, kind of bent at the elbow in her right hand. She's holding the sword vertically straight up and she's got this uh, yellow crown on. She's got like reddish hair. She's sitting on an, uh, it looks like a yellow ground. And then off to the background on the left-hand side, you see some trees. So there's my my description of the card. You can always check it out on our Instagram at Terrible2, T-A-R-O-T-B-U-L-L and the number two. Um, you'll see what exactly what we're talking about there and see if I did a great job describing it. Okay, initial thoughts. Uh, I think you did a lovely job describing it. Thanks, initial yeah. thoughts. 
Uh, I love how <laughs> it's crazy because most of the seated figures we see are seated towards you. Yes. But you're seeing her from her right side. So that's one of the first things that sticks out to me. The other thing that sticks out is this cloak she's wearing with the sky and then there's sky all around her. So they're really trying to emphasize the air, which we know swords are air and they have to do with the element air. Mm-hmm. Um, so this looks like she's, you know, maybe making a decree or doing whatever a queen would do, addressing her subjects or something, but we're seeing it from the perspective of maybe an outsider or a counselor or something like that, or, or I'm sorry, not an outsider, like an insider, somebody who's like, maybe even the king, he's looking over, over his left shoulder at the queen. So I really love that unique perspective. Um, what did this card say to you? I loved your thought on um, as an insider. I've been watching The Good Wife recently, and they do a lot of like press conferences. And you're right. Oh, there we go. There, there she is. Gizmo. Giz. She said that um, she loves this card. <laughs> She's like, stop talking about The Good Wife. Um, but uh, I'm looking at it, and oh my gosh, hold on, come here. Yeah, that's fine. Get over here. Okay. I'm looking at it, and you're right. When people do a press conference, it's often the advisors or um, the family that's standing off to the side. Honestly, normally this side, as the person's making a speech or an announcement or something like that. Um, So I love your interpretation of that. I'm looking at this, and it looks so powerful. Um, Like, she knows she can kill somebody or hurt them. And, um, but she's also looks very like, um, forgiving and it just screams femininity for me because I feel like the throne just looks very feminine. Um, so for me, it gives that like dual nature of women being very, very strong, but also being emotional and being able to have that kind of perspective, that dual perspective. Um, so that's what I saw when I, when I first looked at this card, I was like, yes, she like, seems like, I can't honestly can't wait to see next week's card. Um, okay. I'm going to put her down and by her, I mean Gizmo. Um, let's see if she can behave herself. Um, so I'm very excited to see next week's card because for this one, for me, this one just seems out of all of the court cards we've seen so far, like the most powerful, the most in command. Yeah, for sure. Especially because it's swords, the, um, the way swords are interpreted, it's just that power, that severeness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also, because you said that she looks like a woman, and it made me think of how on all the major arcana, we always see everyone, there's all that androgyny. Yep. So you can't really tell if it's a female or a male. Maybe in the strength card, that's one of the only ones. But I think that the court cards are great because it is. this is supposed to represent the feminine, the divine feminine energy, that sacred energy. And it's supposed to be clear. And also, we're going to talk about later, I'm sure, about how it represents people or how court cards represent people. So this that helps also, I guess, with the this being a female card. But I think it's really supposed to because, you know, how they say the major arcana is is larger. And then when you get into the minor arcana, it's kind of like the microcosm. So this is like really focusing in on that energy, that aspect, the sword aspect of that sacred feminine energy. Mm hmm. And what I love is that they're they're not shying away from portraying the woman that way, um, especially like when the cards were created. I often see the, 
you know, when you go back in history, women aren't necessarily portrayed as powerful beings. And that's why I think I was, I gravitated so much towards this card because I feel like she is, she does look super powerful. She does look so in command. Yeah, maybe not women overall, but there have certainly been some very powerful women throughout history. So I think that, yeah, oh, you're for right. Sure, but you're right. You know, and I, I mean, I know you know that, too, obviously. <laughs> and that's why I seem like I always gravitate towards those periods of time where there is a very strong woman, because yeah. obviously it's like I want to see there be that balance um, and to be able to rise up out of whatever situation there is politically in that time period to be a leader. Um, yeah, for sure. It just says a lot about that person. And I'm sure also there have been a lot of women throughout history that were either right behind the scenes or close to power or might have even really been running the show. But they just had that man out front like as a guys. And you know how we always say history is written by the winners. Mm-hmm. And it seems for some reason for the past thousand years, especially or past couple thousand years, especially since the Catholic Church came to rise through Rome, that they've really been suppressing the feminine, the sacred feminine. But I don't think that that means that there haven't been women in power, you know, definitely. I, you know, think about some of the more powerful women, you know, and it's not like they've just come around and not existed. I don't know. Just right. Definitely. Well, you know, I don't want to. It's amazing. I would love favorites. to get more stories of that. You know, there's gotta be some great stories of that out there. Anyway, right? go ahead. Like, who, who's going to tell that story? You know, that woman, know. If, if she wanted to, to tell that story, she'd probably be killed for it. Um, and so I, I think back to the the song Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves, where they say that behind every great man, there had to be a great woman. And and that's exactly what you were just saying. But, you know, who do you tell the story of? Who do they write the biographies about? It's the man. Yeah. It's also a good cover, though, if you're evil. <laughs> oh, yes, so the, 100%. On the evil side, I'm sure it worked out well for a few women. <laughs> Okay, so Mrs. Hitler. No, I don't know. <laughs> let's look at the different parts of this card. I think the first thing I really want to talk about is um, the appearance of butterflies. There's a butterfly at the bottom of the throne, and it, her crown looks like just a series of butterflies attached to each other. Did you have any thoughts there? Um, what did you think? You said you picked it out right away, so I want to hear what you said. Yeah, I did. Um, again, just going back to what we said before about butterflies, it's like that that metamorphosis, that kind of transformation. Um, and perhaps this is one of those things where she wasn't initially considered powerful or educated or anything like that. Um, but the butterfly is like the end of that that life cycle. And it's like the, you know, the culmination of everything that the little caterpillar had eaten and worked for. And so I, I think that having it at the base of the throne and then also at the top on her crown just showed a really nice balance of control. Yeah. It's, it's kind of reminds me of the as above, so below principle. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would say that this could also represent the, cause it's at the base of this throne. So and I would say that the throne's probably been around a lot longer than this queen. It's probably either been in her family or wherever it is, and they're passing it down. So maybe they just this represents that, you know, if you're if you want to be ready to sit on this throne, you have to have gone through that metamorphosis that is symbolized by the caterpillar morphing into the butterfly. You have to know yourself. So that's why she's wearing that crown. So she was crowned and then she was able to sit on the seat. That was like I said, probably passed down for 
you know, whatever it is for family for hundreds of years or whatever. And then there's also, you see the butterflies kind of in the middle of the crown also. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, in the middle of the, the throne also. So you get the three correlation there, which is nice because it's the one and then it splits to two. Uh, okay. Rambunctious, rambunctious uh, giz over there. I do. I do. I don't even know what she's doing right now. She's just very excited as per usual. Um, I just wish I could look at the world the way she does where everything just makes her so excited. <laughs> um, every morning she's like, yeah, I'm awake. <laughs> Um, okay so the next thing i wanted to look at on the card is um the the throne itself because it is like front and center um so i love the appearance of i'm gonna call them like swirls or the curls and again for me it's just the the throne is because it looks like there's all these little swirls it's demonstrating kind of the softer aspect, I think, of the queen, um, but also the fact that it's made out of stone. It's like this really hard material, which we've seen before. It's like a very hard material that could be considered like uncomfortable, but there's a softness to it with those shapes, like very feminine and curvy. Yeah, I like I like I also like how it's um, it's sitting on a solid base mm-hmm. and which is square and very um i don't know just like angular it's like 90 degree angles but then you go up to this throne and like you said there's really not many straight lines in it right and then right right in the center it looks like an an angel um and it kind of gives that for me that perspective of like the divine mother yeah what about the fact that they're they're like feet that are um holding oh, the, the throne the base. yeah yeah at the base of the the throne let me see if i can get a better picture here um i think it just showed for me like not since there wasn't like um actual like you know we call them legs of chairs and things like that but because they look like feet for me it shows like being firmly rooted um again having that that power yeah or even balance too i guess you could say because the way that the feet are stretched out like that there's a really good balance it's very stable All right, let's look at her outfit. Um, Let's start with the cloak because you kind of already talked about it. So we see that it's a light blue cloak with it looks like clouds on it. What did you think about that? Um, Well, I talked about it a little before, but it really reminds me of the air aspect of the swords. So, uh, you know, you see the white cloak underneath, which a lot of times symbolizes the purity. Mm -hmm. Um, So this... I think it represents the purity of this energy and just the characteristics of the feminine energy. What did it say to you? So, um, you know, when I think of the four elements, I often think of them being there, there being two sets of opposites, right? Fire and water are opposite for me. And then earth and air are opposite. And the fact that she has the air kind of surrounding her, but she's very grounded in the earth. Again, give me that duality of her being, you know, very, I don't want to use the word emotional, but very um, open to kind of hearing maybe the plight of the people, but also very strong in her convictions. I think that there's a really nice balance there, especially because, like I said, she's sitting on this throne, which is so made out of earthly materials but cloaked then in this air. Yeah. 
That's great. Thank you. All right. And then if I'm looking at her, her tunic itself, which is, is white, I'm looking at that as again, like the purity again, going back to the idea of like the divine mother, if you want to call it the Mary, the whatever, um, the, like it's clean. It's very pure. Um, unsullied if you will and kind of there's this air of righteousness and an adherence to maybe justice and going back to what we said earlier about the quote with the truth um being like whatever decision she makes isn't going to be made out of malice or it's going to be made it's like the right decision because she's thought it all out and seen all sides I'm beginning to wonder, maybe I should listen back to some of the episodes because I feel like my interpretation of the feminine, what we are perceiving as feminine cards is always like, and she's a strong woman <laughs> and she, she's, she's making all these good decisions, but the man doesn't know. I don't know. Um, okay. So uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the sword. She's holding it in her right hand. It's going, pointing straight up vertically. Do you have any thought there? Yeah, this is one of the first things that really sticks out to me is this sword. And to me, it looks like she just has it on display. She's very comfortable with it. Like we said before, with seated figures, they're comfortable with their power. Well, she's comfortable with her power, and she's also comfortable with whatever this sword represents. Maybe, you know, maybe it's the knowledge, logic, reason, whatever we're talking about when we talk about swords she has it. And like I said before, she has it and she's making decrees. So she's holding it right there comfortably. So everyone can see that. And with her other hand, she's kind of orating and she's speaking with people. So for me, it's, it's just this, um, it also kind of shows where she's coming from to who she's talking to. You know, they, maybe she's telling them something where they need to see that she is strong. You know, maybe she's saying to them, Hey, you know, you're not just going to come here and take advantage of me. I got this sword. Look at it. You know, I know how to use it. So it could also be a little bit of that, too. I think that for me, looking at the sword and because it's so big, um, whereas last week the sword looked a little bit like ready to be swung. This one looks kind of just as a demonstration of her power. But it also for me showcases that there's not a relaxed stance there, which is what I saw last week. It almost looks like not that she's on the edge of her seat, but there needs to be a demonstration of like. I like I could kill you like I do have final say here and I think sometimes um you know go, going back again to history the women who were in power did have to showcase that kind of um lack of feeling and and adherence to what we would perceive as kind of more, more barbaric uh actions or traits to just showcase like no see I can make the hard decisions and I can make those calls and I feel like maybe there's a lack of um stability or a lack of confidence in her power because she has to showcase the fact that she has the sword yeah as you were saying yeah that could be it I mean that's what I love about these cards there's open to all sorts of interpretations you can also look at it as like the sword of truth and she's opening up to a world like we talked about earlier in the quote you know, she's showing it to people, but she's not afraid of them being scared and ridiculing her. She has this throne. She knows, you know, she went through all the initiations. She has the knowledge and she has the truth. And she say, hey, look, at this is the truth. If you want to pay attention to it, here you go. If not, well, I don't know what to tell you. 
I love that interpretation more than mine because I feel like mine just showcases the plight of women kind of always having to fight for what they want. And yours just seems a little bit more like, yeah, no, she already has it. And she, she's very knowledgeable. <laughs> Listen, I know that I'm a man, but men also have to fight really hard for what they want. So I know, I know you're saying, no, it is different. Yes. It, I, I, I hear you, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, well, this is because that's your point of view. That's the only thing you know or you remember because mm-hmm. maybe you had past lives and you don't remember them. Who knows? But so that's your you're taking that from your perspective and that's what you're seeing. And that's exactly what these cards are. They're mirrors. So maybe you have somebody that is oppressing you and you need to pull out the sword and say, yo, look at the sword. <laughs> guy at guy at Starbucks. Give me my damn shot of flavor. I don't know. That's <laughs> Um, okay. Basic white girls. <laughs> I'm going to take offense to that because I am not basic. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. The, I think the last thing I wanted to talk about is um, kind of the the ground she's sitting on and the, the uh, random, for me, it felt like trees in the background. What yeah, is it? Like, um, I think... And there's also looks like there's a maybe a river that's going through there also. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this just goes back to what you were saying about the foundations uh, and the grounding, how she's grounded in the earth. And she has that stable um, foundation like we we're talking about with the throne. Mm-hmm. I... Um, did a little diving into the trees, uh, just cause I was, I was a little confused again. Like I said, like, why are those there? Um, and apparently there are cypress trees and a cypress tree is often associated with mourning. And so once I figured that out, I felt like it was one of those, she's been able to rise above past situations, um, or kind of learn from them and grow from them, but she's not going to let them define her. Kind of like, um, you know, like like the phoenix rising from the ashes situation, but maybe not necessarily that. Yeah, I love that. And also you could say that she sometimes there's times where you have to trust your logic and you have to trust your reason and the truth and you have to leave those emotions behind. Or she That's can even... so hard, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or she can be using those experiences that she went through. This also could be saying that she's using because it's behind her. So maybe that's just signaling that that's her past and she put it behind her, but she's using it like, you know, she's not dwelling on it because it's really small and it's in the background. But that just means it's like a little memory. So anytime she wants to make a mistake in that area, she could remember those times she went through, you know, or if she needs guidance, she can look back to that. But it's not like swallowing up her whole world, kind of like the clouds are. Do you have any did you have any um, comment about that? Or are you still talking about the trees and stuff? Let me just go back it. to the tree and what you said for a second. I don't want to keep bringing up the show The Good Wife, but if you haven't seen it, for me, it's been just very <laughs> cathartic and watching it. But um, I love what you said about using past experiences because kind of that's what this woman in The Good Wife, um, Juliana Margulies, a.k.a. Alicia Florick, does. She's able to use her past experiences of her husband cheating on her and it turning into this huge scandal to kind of relate herself better to she's a lawyer to the people who come to her law firm and seek her out as their lawyer or like their confidant because she's able to use those experiences and be a little bit more um 
you know, caring for them and being able to relate to them more. And I think that's a sign of a really great leader is being able to relate to the common people and understand their plight. Yeah, for sure. And you got to be able to use, like you said, your experiences that you've been through, because that's the best way if you if you're using them and then you can be that example for people, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, okay, so now let's go to the clouds. Uh, so the clouds, you're right. They do look almost like they're like swallowing her up. What were your thoughts on that? Um, there, it, the first thing that comes to my mind is kind of how we were talking about this feminine energy, you know, whatever it can represent in the sword suit. I think this is showing that it's kind of masked, that it's hidden. So, mm-hmm. um, so either maybe you have to really search for it or maybe you know people just don't they discount it they think that it's not necessary i'm looking at it as kind of since the clouds are so much lower on on the horizon it's like one of those her head's not in the clouds literally it's not it's above that and kind of she's rising up they don't look particularly like storm clouds but they could be and kind of like she's out of that she's got a clear head because her head is in the sky she's able to rise above kind of all that bullshit and take herself out of those situations because the rest of her body you know, from like maybe like armpits down is still covered with all these clouds, but her head where she has her logic and her brain, she's able to make these decisions. Um, And I think that's also kind of uh, telling that if you look at where the sword is, the clouds don't seem to be encompassing any part of the sword. Yeah. I like that. She's like rising above it with the sword in hand. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say this card came up in a general reading. What would you say? Um, if this card came up in a general reading, I would tell the person that you need to more than likely you need to focus on that feminine energy, this quality, but having to do in respect with swords. So it's kind of like you're cross-referencing it. You know, what is a you think to yourself, well, what does this feminine energy represent? And then what does the sword represent? And mm-hmm. so you put them both together. So, you know, for example, we could talk about how, Maybe it's something creative uh, with a feminine energy, um, and it has to do with your reason or your logic. So there could be a bunch of different areas, but I think that's where I would start. I said that if this came up in a general reading, I would have – I I would say – kind of the trust your gut. Um, you know, you don't let anything else influence your decisions. Be be kind of smart about anything that's... If this card came up in a general reading, I'd say obviously you're looking to make a decision or you're looking for an answer of something, but don't let your emotions play a part in that. Just kind of um, be smart and intelligent and, and use your past experience, but don't let it overshadow kind of what you know you should be doing. Um, again, going back to what I said, I think last week of people, when they're asking a question, they often know the answer. They just don't want to hear the answer. Or they just want to validate and they want to, you know, they want to make sure that their decision (laughs) or the answer to their decision is going to be acceptable by society. Also, I think they want to like validate it a little bit. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that just comes from a lack of um, confidence and insecurity of like, yeah, this is right, right? 
that being said, I do that all the time. I'm like constantly calling my parents, like, am I doing the right thing? And they're always like, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, all right, cool. I know I'm doing the right thing now. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> okay. So let's say this came up in a love reading. What would you say? Well, we talked about how court cards represent people. So I would say this could represent yourself. If you are a female, this could represent um, maybe also if you're single, this could represent a new person coming into your life. But it could also represent the qualities that you need to embody and the, the energy that you need to get in touch with within yourself to build a solid relationship. You know, if you want to really build this throne on top of this solid slab um, and you want to wield the sword of truth or whatever it is and have your head above the clouds to see what's really going on, because we can also say that about the clouds. You know, she has her head up using the truth. She sees what's really going on. You can't, you can't um, confuse her. You can't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't deceive her very easily. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that's all has, <laughs> that all has all kinds of implications with relationship, especially when it comes to deceit. So this could also be somebody who maybe was stuck in a bad relationship and now they're getting their head out of the clouds. Or you could tell somebody, this is what you need to do to, um, to get a better grip on what's going on in your relationship. You need to get your head out of the clouds, use the truth, get up and see what's up. So for me, looking at this for a relationship reading, um, I said that if you're single, it could it could just show kind of a disconnect from, again, that like emotional aspect, maybe being more in tune with your feelings and open. Um, there is a sense of like coldness. At the end of the day, she is sitting on a stone throne. So it's not like the Empress where she's on all these pillows. She is, it d- can come across as like stoic and cold. And so I think sometimes there's a, you have to open yourself up if you want to invite people in. Right. Um, So if you're single, that's how I would interpret this in a love reading. I said that if you were in a relationship, there's two different ways, obviously, that it can be interpreted. I agree with you that it could be I and I gravitate more towards it being the ending of a relationship and kind of removing yourself emotionally from it to kind of make the decision that, you know, is right. Um, Again, very hard to do. Just kind of distance yourself from it. Um, but I think it could also show that I think sometimes when you're in a relationship, the longer you're in the relationship, there there does sometimes seem to be a lack of thought of the other person's feelings or that lack of emotionality and connectivity and even like romantic gestures. You know, you kind of just maintain the status quo and are complacent as opposed to making the effort to keep that relationship thriving. Yeah. Are you just going through the motions or are you actually in a nice, sustainable relationship that's going somewhere? Right. Looks like Giz is just going through the motions. I think Gizzy's like, get out of that relationship. And it's like, Gizzy, I heard you. Um, anywho. Um, okay. Let's say this comes up in a career reading. What would you say? All right. You go first this time. Okay. I said that, um, 
for me, this this would be kind of, again, taking yourself out of the emotional aspect of it and kind of using your wits and your logic and your brain to make decisions. I said if it was a type of work, it would be intellectual work. So, again, uh, it would be maybe like and I'm not saying that these people aren't emotional or feeling or anything like that, but I'd say maybe like um, a teacher like a professor, like a college professor, um, a lecturer, some kind of, uh, someone who adheres basically just more to like logical things, honestly, even like, um, like a secretary or a coordinator or an assistant or something like that, where they're not necessarily, gizmo, they're not necessarily using like feelings. It's more of like just going through the logical, this is how you have to do it. All right. What were your thoughts? Gizmo has a lot to say about this she career really reading. Does. Maybe she wants to be a queen of swords one day. Gizmo, you are a queen. Put that sword down, Giz. What are you doing, Giz? Put the sword down. Um, I think for me, if this was... Uh, oh, This came up in a career reading. I would tell the person that, um, kind of similar to what we just said in the relationship, if you want to get ahead and get out above in your career... You know, you got to get your head out of the clouds. But this can also represent going on your path and doing your own thing. Because if you think about um, being stuck like in a job, not a career, like a regular just nine to five, and you're just working to live and party and stuff on the weekends, and you're just existing, that could represent that those clouds in the background. Maybe you're lost in that. And to get above that, to do what you're put here to do truly, maybe you have to... Uh, tap into that divine feminine energy uh-huh. and get to the heart of the matter. At the end of the day, I think I really need to learn from the queen of swords um, and kind of try and incorporate some of those characteristics into my life. Again, my own personal therapy session here. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on and look at a different interpretation of this card. Um, and for this part of the podcast, Brandon does the um, the description of the card. It's just kind of a showcase of the fact that there could be similar cards in various decks, but they all have a different interpretation um, and a different image to provoke kind of different thoughts and feelings. So he'll give the description of the card and we'll give our just initial thoughts and what we think is happening. All right, everybody, we're talking about the Alistair Crowley Thoth deck. And this card is the Queen of Swords. And um, the first thing that sticks out at me is there's a figure, looks like a female for sure, long hair, no shirt, looks like some kind of like sheet or uh, robe she's kind of wearing on her, the bottom half of her body. She's holding a sword in her right hand, pointing down. And then in her left hand, it looks like she has... A green head with a beard in her hand. And then behind her, there's all kinds of um, like triangle points coming out to make some kind of maybe lopsided star. And above that, there's another head popping out. And the figure herself, she's basically standing on clouds, kind of like it's a mountainside. And in the background, it's, just, it's basically all clouds. And it looks um, like somebody just took some paint and kind of... Uh, Made nice little clouds and nice little sky, Bob Ross style all around her. Um, and other, the only other thing I could say and point out, maybe there's like some lines coming off of those star points. And there's a square where her head is like kind of right in the middle. Mm-hmm. 
All right, what'd you think? Um, loved this card so much. I think that there's such a sense of power here. Um, and literally, like I, what I was saying before about the, the queen card in the Rider Waite deck, is that she literally... You know, I love that she's holding this sword, but it kind of looks more like a dagger, a little bit daintier, um, and that it, she's holding this head in her other hand. It almost looks like she's cutting through the bullshit of, like, you know how everyone says, like, you know, everyone wears masks, that kind of nonsense. It's like, no, she's adhering to the idea of she's always going to be herself, and she's not going to wear a mask. She's always going to be true to who she is and what she wants and what she thinks and what she feels, and the idea that there's like this star behind her, it almost looks kind of heavenly or halo-like. And the head on top of that, it looks kind of like a cherub or a child. Mm -hmm. And it, for me, it gives that illusion of like, I think that, and we've had this conversation before, there is an adherence to the truth and being honest and not pretending to be someone you're not when you're a child. And you kind of lose that idea as you get older. Um, and I think that she maintained that childlike I'm not going to call it innocence, but that childlike adherence to always being true to who you are. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I also really love that. Like, I don't know if it's a head or a spirit that's in her left hand, mm -hmm. but if you think of feminine energy, it's connected to the right brain and the right brain is also connected to the left hand because you know how it's like opposite. So if you think of it's this, maybe it's a spirit that's actually coming out of her left hand. So maybe these green shapes that are behind her are just the knowledge and the creativity and just the feminine energy that it's like kind of on showcase, similar to a halo. And then with her left hand, she's like creating this energy in the world. So if you think about maybe like the green man, because this also reminds me of a green man you might see like in a tree, you know, how they like carve the old faces with the beards in the tree and that represents the green man in nature and the um kind of the creativity of nature so for me i feel that or not really creativity i guess the creation um the creation aspect so for me it just shows that creation so she's creating in one hand and with the other hand she has the sword of maybe it's truth so she's using it to defend what she's creating or maybe uh -huh. she's using it to draw attention to it and I think I, I also want to just say how much I love the idea. We saw last week um, that the figure kind of climbing this cloud tower. I love that her throne um, is it looks like clouds. Uh, we talked you talked about how swords are relating to the element of air. Um, and this obviously is a perfect showcase of that. But I also think there's a compliment here in terms of air, which if we want to call it like more logic and what is a cloud it it isn't just air it's also water so you have that emotionality there and those feelings and it's just like she's conquered that and is sitting on this throne and different from the rider weight this cloud throne does look more comfortable almost like very cozy and she looks a little bit more relaxed for me kind of like she's like sitting back with her arm up like yep i just did this come at me yeah and similar to the um to what we said before about in the rider weight card where she's above the clouds this i mean she's literally above the clouds in the clouds but she's not being obscured by them so 
she can see around her, she has that vantage point. So we can take all the same things we said about her head being above the clouds and the rider weight and apply it to this card. Exactly. And what I love is that there's still clouds like up by her head and behind her, but they're not, it doesn't look like they're encompassing her. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Did you have any other thoughts on this card? No, I think we're good. Um, I do also love, I just want to point this out, that she does seem to have, like, this golden hair. Um, and in the suit of swords, I don't often associate the physical characteristic of a, a lighter colored hair or blonde hair. But I do love that she has that because it makes me feel a little bit more of a connection um, to, you know, my own blonde hair. So I just want to throw that out there. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to look at... Um, the five cards um, in the Minor Arcanist uh, four suits. So five of wands, five of cups, five of swords, and five of pentacles. And we're going to see if there's any similarities, differences, and how does this relate ex uh, actually to the number five. So I, I, what I want to do a little bit differently than what we've done in the past few weeks is I want to start off talking about the number five um, and then kind of bring that into the cards let's see let me see how i feel about that um okay so number five it's normally something that has a lot of energy it's adaptable independent um it's an unwillingness to kind of conform to social norms or ideas and um they're very independent and um and i think that they have a a, a, a desire to um, put up uh, an, uh, kind of roadblocks to change their way of life. Um, and it, it definitely seems like this person could go through things very quickly, um, in terms of kind of, you know, kind of wanting to speed up something that's happening and like, let's just get to the end, which can I just tell you, I relate to that so much. I can't tell you how many times in the past, month I've said like I am not a patient person so um it also is a number that relates really well to um humans because we've got five fingers five toes on each one of our hands um five appendages if we include our head there's you know five senses five major systems in the body um and it's it really relates well to kind of our physical um body okay so that being said do you have anything else you want to say about the number five yeah i think that um i love what you said about the five and i also heavily identify with the five myself but what i would like to add is that if you look at a pentagram or a five-pointed star it represents the five so well because there's five points but then mm -hmm. you could take all the elements air earth water and fire and you apply them to all the points and then you have that extra element of spirit which, you know, really only the only person we know our person, <laughs> the the spirit element is what really makes the human unique. It's kind of the soul element um, of it. So I love that aspect of the five as well. And I want to point out just because you, you just said that uh, it also seems because they 
you know, you said this is is something that makes us human because they maybe have the balance of all of these things. It makes them willing or able to kind of conform to lots of different things without like buying in. It's like, oh yeah, I can kind of go with this group or can go with that group. There's like a non-conformity there um, and kind of a flexibility to move from group to group. Um, And um, kind of able to see all sides of a situation or all sides of someone's of people's opinions. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially if you um, if you're going to look into anything. I mean, tarot, obviously, you want to keep an open mind. But that's a lot of I, I try to remind people, because whenever I'm talking to people about stuff that might be either considered like conspiratorial or like pseudoscience or all this stuff, um, especially when it comes to like psychology and tarot, people are very skeptical and I try to assure them like, I don't think you understand how my brain works. It's not like I just come across something and I'm like, Oh my God, this is it. And that's great. It's like, I, I, I believe a lot of the stuff that I say, but part of me is very skeptical and still doesn't always believe it. Like I always am in constant like scrutiny of my beliefs and ideas and everything that I say. And I think that's why it's great to have a podcast because we can get it out and we can air it and you could say it and then you can listen to it and you can play with it. But I like to do that with all my, worldviews and in the way I think the world works or whatever it is. I think it's good to keep an open mind and try ideas out, you know, like, you know, uh, did Bigfoot kill JFK? I don't know. Let's sit there and think about these things <laughs> or, you know, like whatever it is, your favorite conspiracy, like JFK, was he killed by the mob and the CIA or was it really, was it um, really Hoover who killed him based on LBJ's suggestion? Like what I sent you that article. <laughs> yeah, probably, I, you know, <laughs> But that's what I mean. So you can get in and you can look at different evidence. You can see if it makes sense. You can see what's consistent and you can let it go. But not everyone's brain works that way. So I think that you have to find people whose brains do work that way, like a like any good reporter or detective or investigator and kind of feed off what they're saying. You know, but like I said, I, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'll talk about things and bring things up and people are just like, oh, you're crazy or that's that can't be possible or whatever it is. They just don't believe it. And they think that I'm this gullible person who just believes things that I see in videos. It's like, no, you don't understand. But there's an openness there and a, and yeah. a willingness to kind of look outside of the box and not just believe everything that you're told. Yeah, for sure. And I'm also very willing to change my mind if presented with evidence, you know, and that's something that I think is important that a lot of people aren't, they get cognitive dissidents where their thoughts aren't lining up with the truth. You know, they'll say one thing on one hand and contradict themselves on the other and they don't see a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so now let's get into these cards um, and look at the kind of, are there similarities or differences here? Um, so we've already talked about the suit of cups and the suit of swords, those five cards uh, or the number five in those cards. Um, but I just want to see if there's any similarities or differences here. And for me, I want to look at the swords and the cups because I think it's, for me, it's like a inverse in the five of cups. You have three cups that look spilled and the figure in, in the card looks very sad looking at those three cups that have spilled their contents um, and kind of unwilling to look behind them to see that there's two additional cups there. So that aren't spilled on the inverse, the five of swords, 
there's two swords on the ground, but the figure in the forefront is holding three swords and they kind of have a little bit of a smirk on their face of kind of looking like, I have the three, I don't have all five, but I've got a majority of them. Whereas the in the cups, it looks like I lost three, even though there's still two left, I lost a majority. And I really like the balance there. Um, you've got obviously the, the elements of air and water, but for me, it, it just really was a nice kind of um, opposite, which is what I saw a lot in the queen cards that we talked about. So um, now I want to look at the five of wands. Again, I'm like always thrown by the wands. So you've got five figures here and they're all holding wands. It almost looks like they could be building a pentagram. Um, it looks like it could be a like they're trying to make something or it looks like they're just trying to beat the shit out of each other. Honestly, um, it, you don't really see what's happening. It does look like they could be hitting each other, but it, if they're doing that, why wouldn't you choose something smaller? They all look very awkwardly holding these wands. Um, so I'm going to say that hopefully it's like they're maybe competing against each other, but I'd like to think that they're trying to, to make something together. And then I'm totally thrown by the five of pentacles because this is, such a sorrowful card for me it's it reminds me of you know the darkest of nights or the darkest night and kind of this being alone and without anything I for me I don't see how the five of pentacles fits into the idea of the five, unless I'm saying by it's a non-conformity. And so in the background of the five of pentacles, you see this stained glass window um, with these five pentacles on it that almost kind of look like it could be like the shape of a human. Um, if you just like were really kind of basic with it and these figures are outside of it outside of this structure that has this stained glass window. And it looks like they're kind of like beggars, but maybe it's one of those unwillingness to conform to whatever this building wants at any cost. It's like, I'm independent. I'm going to be myself regardless of the cost. I don't know, but it really just looks very, very sad. Yeah. It does look like a sad card. And the thought that popped in my head while you were talking was maybe this just represents like you were talking about the individuality and the um, nonconformity. So these people aren't conforming to the dogma, whatever this is, maybe they're walking by a church and this church is just focusing on whatever the pentacles represent. So earthly things are just, they're out of balance. So these people are moving on no matter, you know, even though they're in this state and even though it's snowing outside and it's terrible and they have no clothes and they're probably starving to death, they know that it's better to die than to just settle. Yep. Um, and then what I wanted to say about the five of swords, which also popped in my head while you're talking and I never, this is kind of just a little epiphany I had because most people look at this card and they think it's a battle. It's some kind of battle happened and these people are defeated. So this guy's picking up the swords, but what if you don't look at it as a battle and you just look at what swords are supposed to represent, like ideas or truths or whatever they are? And these other people who are facing away, they could just be ignoring what the swords represent, just laying there on the ground. So this guy's like happy and he's looking at these people like, what's going on? You're just leaving these treasures. You're not even you don't even see him. You're stepping over him. You're walking away from him. So this guy's just walking around, picking them up. So this could be 
how we talked about even it goes back to earlier in the episode when we were talking about the quote with the allegory of the cave. This could be the person who sees the truth now and has everything together <laughs> and they're just going along picking this stuff up that people don't even see. You know, and, and they're just amazed, like, what the hell is going on? I can't believe you guys can't see this. So this could represent you as a person when you do get everything together and get to know yourself. And you're going to see how this could also represent, like, the synchronicities that happen that people don't see. You know, they're like treasures to you, but everyone else, they're just like, what are you talking about? They're just blind to it. And then if we come over here to the um, wands next, I love what you said about you can't tell if they're building something or if they're fighting. And it looks like they're building a pentagram. So what if they are building this pentagram, how we talked about if you get all the elements in alignment and then the spirit on top, what if this is what they're doing? But in the process of this, in the process of doing this in your life, you maybe go through some fights. You might have to align yourself. You have to get yourself to work together. So part of it could be fighting and then you have to learn from that. Sometimes some parts of yourself have to be a tyrant over other parts. Just think of if you were doing this with five other people, one person kind of has to be in charge and to be the leader to direct what's going on or else it will be um, just kind of, I guess, chaos. Well, so, it's one of those ideas of people being like an oligarchy or a ruling by few is this great idea because you have all these different perspectives, but you're right. It never comes out that way. There always seems to be one strong person or there's just a lot of dissidents. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> so if I want to take this so internally, if I want to take this as working, uh, working on yourself, I think that you do need to have that strong discipline. And it's also represented in the Hierophant, which is number five. The Hierophant is sitting there on the throne. He has the two people bowing down at him. That could be the right and left sides of his brain, the energies he has. Him. So this is kind of that. For me, especially because wands represent fire and wands represent magic in getting stuff done. So that's what this is. This is like the first step in becoming that magical wizard if you want to get to be that whole person. You know, it's going to be a bumpy ride and you don't you never know. You know, you think you're going the wrong way and then it ends up being the right way. It's the only thing I could say. It's, it's very crazy, but you just have to trust the process. I love how you always bring the numbers back to the major arcana and how it relates to those cards. Because I often forget about that um, and always just am focusing on the four cards we're looking at. Yeah, no, I, I the major arcana is like really stuck in my brain, especially when it comes to fives. Like I said, I really feel like I'm a five. And then I guess the last thing I could talk about here is the five of cups. Um, you know, I, we've talked about this card before, so I guess the only new thing I can really say is if we bring that same perspective over, whereas this person just doesn't realize what's behind them. They're just focused too much on uh, the problems that they have going on right in front of them. Um, you know, so it, it's just a really good, it's a really good reminder to, you know, we say you have to focus on the present moment and you always want to be present, but if there are a lot of problems going on in your life in the present moment, you have to be able to recall the, you know, the, the past, the good times that have maybe been behind you and then good times that are to come also. Love it. Thanks. Okay. Anything else to say about the number fives? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. Me too. 
So next week, what we're going to be doing is talking about, obviously, the number six. So we'll look at the sixes of the four different suits. And then we'll be finishing up in our um, suit of swords, our final court card here. Yeah, you know what that means, right? Winter has come? Yeah. Winter <laughs> is coming. It'll be here the week after next. So what's that mean? What are we getting into? What suit will we be getting to after swords? Um, I think we're doing the suit of pentacles, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to check on that. I, well, I'll talk about it next week. I wasn't prepared to talk about it right now. <laughs> See, look at that, everybody. I got Ashley unprepared. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's all right. You'll have to just be in suspense. I'm pretty sure it's pentacles as well. But next week, we're going to be talking about the Knight of Swords. So we aren't done with swords just quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you want to say about the Knight? I, I, I don't think so. Not yet. Good night, sweetheart. Well, <laughs> it's time to go. Bum, Hopefully it is a good night and it'll be a good episode. So make sure you check it out next week. If you guys want any more information or if you'd like to follow us on the social medias or if you'd like to donate, go to comedylol.com. Everything you need is right there. Our Instagram is at terrible2. We post all the pictures of the um, of all the cards that we talk about and are discussed on this podcast will be there and that's t-a-r-o-t-b-u-l-l the number two on instagram and like i said you can go to comedylol.com and hey christmas is coming up and you're probably doing all your shopping so you can go to comedylol.com click on the amazon link do your shopping right after that we will get a piece of it it looks to amazon like we referred you so they pay us a little bit of the commission and it doesn't cost you any more or i'm sorry of their whatever they make they kick us back some and it doesn't cost you any more so thank you guys for your support and we will talk to you next week yes bye all right give me a second Comedy, LOL, Podcast Network.